Hello, podcast fam. It's me, yours truly. Welcome to episode 68 of the Yours Truly podcast. And I really feel like we are on a streak with having some really awesome individuals help me to populate the information that we have here on the podcast. So last week we had a client spotlight episode. If you have not yet gotten the chance to check that out, be sure to do so. It was the one about M&Ms, which if that doesn't spark your curiosity, I don't know what will. So check that out if you are looking to learn from someone who is currently working to strengthen her own relationship with food and has done that personally with me. But this week, I'm really excited to feature a fellow registered dietitian and a guest, an Instagram friend, we can call her, who I have had the opportunity and the pleasure of connecting with over the past couple of months and And she brought so much value to this conversation today that I really cannot wait for you to hear it. But before I formally introduce her and let you tune in or tune in, should I say, to our conversation, you know what we have to do. We have to focus in on our Yours Truly Goal Slayer featured post of the week, which before we even get there, might I also add that it's freezing? All of a sudden, I know that was totally random and very off topic, but I kind of like glanced down at what I was wearing when I'm sitting here doing the podcast because I kind of just stare off into space when I talk to you all, and sometimes that involves me looking at my lap and. My lap right now is covered in a blanket. I have really fuzzy bedroom shoes on. I'm wearing a sweatshirt and a sweater on top of it. I actually look a little bit ridiculous because my little office space is not very well temperature controlled. There's a lot of windows with a lot of space for cool air to creep in. I'm really not a Game of Thrones fan, but as I'm told, they say winter is coming. So I hope wherever you are, If you are in a cold climate like myself right now, that you are staying warm, you're doing whatever that you need to to keep yourself cozy. If you're in a warm climate right now, then lucky you. (laughs) Let me know where you live so I can plan my next vacation. But anywho, back to our Yours Truly Goal Slayer featured post of the week. Before I got sidetracked there, um, I want to feature one that was posted about a week ago. In our free private Facebook community, which if you don't know what this is, I will tell you more about it here in a moment and let you know how to join. But this post comes from a member of our community who has been here for many months now, or at least a couple of months, and she has been working tirelessly, I know, from some of the conversations we have had, but towards her own journey of healing her relationship with food so that she can hold a positive space for food talk and food exploration for not only herself, but also her children and other members of her family. So she writes, tonight we went out to dinner to a fancier than normal place and we ordered what sounded good. I didn't feel like finishing mine and the kids didn't either, but they felt bad because they knew it was a little pricey. They're 11 and 14. This provided an amazing opportunity to talk through not having food guilt for any reason. Before I would have eaten all of mine plus theirs because I couldn't see it, air quote, go to waste. I have been so disordered for most of my life and most of my children's lives, but tonight it felt I felt so proud of the work that I have done, and I just felt okay at dinner. I still have so much work to do, but small wins like this stack up. 
So I want to give a big shout out to this goal slayer who was so willing to share a little bit about her out to eat experience. Again, not only how that landed for herself, but also the opportunity that she had to let her kids in on the fact that food is not a moral issue. Food is not something that we have to feel guilty or shameful about. And it's also not something that we have to force upon ourselves if our cues are saying no more right now. Um, and And I know everyone is going to be a little bit different and this advice is probably going to vary from person to person. But one thing that I would like to add here about what I call the clean plate club, of course, no one wants to see their food going to waste because having access to food is most definitely a privilege. And food costs money. (laughs) Food um, costs as many of our resources, so we don't just want to be throwing that away. But I think it's powerful to also recognize on this journey that there is no gold star for stuffing yourself beyond what feels comfortable for you in your body right now. And for for many of my clients and for many people who I talk with, this is very much a learning process. Something that I say all of the time here on the podcast with my clients is that much of this intuitive eating journey is an unlearning and a relearning process. So if you grew up in a family that was maybe food insecure or where food um, was a little bit more scarce and you were very much encouraged to finish all your food or be a part of that clean plate club to not let the food go to waste, then yeah, this is going to be a learning curve and it might take some time for you to recognize that you don't always have to finish everything unless, of course, you want to. But it is a lesson that can be learned over time. And something that I like to add to all of my clients or you, whoever is listening right now, if you find yourself getting towards the end of a meal and there's still some left, but you're feeling rather satisfied, and of course you don't want to waste the food like we've been talking about, something very freeing to realize is that you can always save the rest of it for later. I recognize that some foods are in their most delicious shape and form when they are fresh and right out of the oven or the microwave or whatever that might be. But if your worry is wasting food or not wanting to throw food in the garbage, you can keep it in most scenarios, unless of course you're traveling, you don't have access to refrigeration, whatever those small exceptions might be. But I think even offering yourself the permission of If I stop right now because I'm feeling satisfied or I'm feeling full, it doesn't mean that I have to stop for the rest of eternity or that this food is going to be not allowed 30 minutes from now. This is something in intuitive eating that we call getting rid of that last supper mentality. So if you're truly working to give yourself access and permission rather to any food that you enjoy and that you have available to you, It isn't as much as a a big deal to reach the end of an eating experience and say, you know what, if I stop right now and choose to save the rest of this for later, then it doesn't mean that I can never have it again or that I have to wait X amount of time until I'm allowed to enjoy it. I can eat this again in 10 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, tomorrow, whatever that might look like for you. So I hope this little snippet was helpful if you have ever found yourself to be a member of the forced 
air quote clean plate club. Again, I know this conversation looks different for everyone depending on your access to food, your relationship with food growing up, but hopefully you are able to take a little nugget of information away from that Goal Slayer post and the information that I had to add. So that being said, as I offered a couple of moments ago, if you are new to the podcast or if you are not new to the podcast, but you still have not joined us in this free Facebook community, here is the time where I openly extend you the invitation to come and hang out with us. It is a free open community. Well, it's free, but it is a private community because there is an application to join so I can get to know everyone who comes into the community and lay a couple of ground rules to keep this um, being a very supportive and helpful place. But I post in there every single day. Other members of the community and individuals who work with me one-on-one post in there. We have themes. I do live video trainings in there. So if you are someone who is looking to gain more value and information wherever you might be on your journey to healing your relationship with food, I really hope that you will come join us. So the two easy ways you can access that application are number one, through my Instagram bio. If you click the link in my bio, you will see Facebook group application application, fill that out, and then I will reach out to you, letting you know how you can join. The other way is to simply type in the Yours Truly Goal Slayers in the search bar on Facebook. The community will pop up. You can hit request to join and then keep an eye on your messages and your friend requests because I will send you a message with the link to that application so that you can then come join us once you fill it out. So that is all I have to say as far as our post is concerned of the week. And the last small little announcement that I have is that we are still gearing up for our webinar. I believe actually, hold on, let me pull up a calendar. I should have thought about this before I started talking, but yeah, I believe that the date that this episode airs, I'm recording it a little bit uh, far in advance, but the day that this episode airs will actually be the day, the long-awaited day of our free holiday thrival guide. Um, I totally butchered the name of that. Here we go. Let's try it again. Your intuitive eating, there we go, holiday thrival guide because why survive around food this holiday season when you could thrive? So if you are someone who is looking to feel your best around food this holiday season and navigate all of that diet talk that is inevitably going to come come up. I hope that you will join us tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern time from 7 to 7.45 for this free webinar where you will walk away with tools, tips, and tricks to hopefully make this holiday season the best one possible for you and everyone else around you when it comes to food and enjoying it and connecting over it rather than stressing out about food and letting it consume your holiday season in that non-positive or in that non-helpful way. So if you're interested in registering last minute Again, this will really only be relevant if you're listening to this episode on the day that it airs, Wednesday, November 20th. But if you are interested, please visit the link in my Instagram bio. Again, under the application for the Facebook community, it will have the application for, or the sign-up sheet rather, for our webinar. I would love to see you there. So that being said, my 
fancy transition music. You know what? I think I've been doing that for so long now that I can't get any fancier in my technology and I have to do that cringeworthy thing every week. But without further ado, I want to introduce to you all our guest for the podcast today. Her name is Kelly May. On Instagram, she goes as Kelly May underscore RD. No, Kelly RD underscore Apologies, I had to pull it up on my screen and correct myself. But Kelly is a fellow registered dietitian, and she is a non-diet dietitian who practices from a health at every size aligned standpoint. Currently, she works full-time as a registered dietitian working with individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities. And I really believe that a lot of her knowledge and expertise in that area helped to inform so much of the awesome content that she puts out on Instagram, as well as all of her knowledge of the health at every size movement and, and being a non-diet dietitian as well. So I have to say something about Kelly before we get started. I said towards the beginning of our episode that we were Instagram friends, which is something that I always like to joke about, but really I'm so incredibly grateful that Instagram and social media gives us the opportunity to connect and network with other individuals who can add a lot of value to our lives. But when I first connected with Kelly, the thing that stood out to me about her and her content was it was so powerful and concise and she always had a really good message and she presents it in a way that looks very fun and pleasing on the eyes. So if you do not follow Kelly already, like I said, KellyRD underscore on Instagram, I highly recommend that you do so after you listen to this episode because her graphics that she creates are very eye-catching, they're very fun and they draw a lot of positive energy and attention to a lot of these conversations about intuitive eating and health at every size that need to be had and need to be heard. So you will hear some of those conversations in our podcast today. I actually have the opportunity to ask her what inspired her to create some of these graphics and she has really wonderful insight to provide. So I hope you will enjoy this conversation and without further ado, here's Kelly. Kelly, welcome to the Yours Julie podcast. How are you on this Tuesday evening? I'm great. Thank you. Of course. Thank you for coming on. I'm super excited to have a fellow intuitive eating, health at every size aligned dietitian here. Um, but as I was kind of telling you before we hit record, and this will be new for any of the listeners here on the Yours Truly podcast, I want to install a new segment to start out guest interviews, and it's called This or That. <laughs> I wish I had some cool, like, fun music to interject here, like a, like we're on a game <laughs> show. Um, but I have a, a couple of things here that's just going to be this or that, and you choose which one resonates most with you so we can get to know the, the fun, uh, quirky maybe side of you before we dive into who you are and what you do. So you ready? Awesome. Absolutely ready. <laughs> okay. Amusement parks or water parks? Oh gosh. Um, <laughs> I'm a little bit embarrassed, but I think probably water parks. <laughs> I've heard people um, refer to them as a petri dish of germs, Ooh. and um, but I still, I think, prefer water parks. <laughs> I, I'm with you there. There's something about a water park that seems, germs aside, right, it seems yeah. a little bit less scary than an amusement park because 
they, like you're not high off the ground. You're sliding yes. water. It's like, if, I feel like my, my fall would be broken maybe a little bit easier. So mm-hmm. I have to agree with you. I'm a water park fan too. Uh, sweet potatoes or white potatoes? Which do you prefer? Oh, sweet potatoes easily. Love sweet potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> so my spinoff question for you there is, are you a savory sweet potato fan or do you like making them like a a sweet, sweet potato? Like for example, do you put salt and pepper and like butter or do you put like peanut butter, almond butter? Like what route do you prefer? Mm -hmm. Um, I am definitely a just like plain salt person with my sweet potatoes. I think that I resonate most with sweet potato fries. So love (laughs) that. I haven't had dinner yet and you're like making me hungry. So maybe I'll have to make myself (laughs) sweet potato fries. Um, Breakfast for dinner or dinner for breakfast? Oh, um, I am going to say dinner for breakfast. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. So are you like a, you like savory things in the morning? Yeah. Like, it could also, yeah. I've been having peanut butter and jelly every once in a while for breakfast. I know, <laughs> I know my fellow peanut butter and jelly lover. Um, and so I'm like, oh, I wouldn't eat peanut butter and jelly any time of day. So, but I'm not a huge, I like breakfast foods, but I eat them more like snack foods a lot of times. Okay. I feel that. And everyone who's listening right now couldn't see my face when you said peanut butter and jelly, but they might be able to assume that my eyes got like 10 times bigger. Yes. So excited to hear you. Hand over heart. (laughs) (laughs) Hand over heart. I did that too. You're definitely in the right spot. Super happy to connect on that. Um, Instagram (laughs) or Facebook? Um, I think Instagram. At first, I really liked Facebook. Um, I like the like group functionality, um, but then I just learned that I can just only follow people who I would want to have in my own personal group. So it works out really well. Very true. And side note for anyone who's listening or maybe spoiler alert, you have a awesome Instagram feed. And one of my future questions here in our recording is going to be getting a little bit of insight on your inspiration for those and how you came up with it. So preface for anybody who doesn't already follow Kelly, definitely give her a follow. We'll tell you how at the end. Um, Last one for you, beach or mountains? Um, I think beach, definitely. I live in the perfect spot that is right in between beach and mountains being in North Carolina. Um, And so, but I still think that um, beach is where I would land. I feel you. I think because North Carolina and Virginia, they're obviously different states. They're two uh, different places, but I feel like they have a lot of similarities. And one of their awesome similarities is they have the potential for mountain life and beach life in the same mm-hmm. state. So people who are listening to this, who might live on the West coast, probably think I'm crazy for saying that what we have here are mountains compared to what they have over there. But um, (laughs) I think the, the opportunity lends itself to have both for sure. So, uh, thanks for being my first participant in the first ever installment of this or that on the Mm -hmm. podcast. As I told you before we hit record, you were the guinea pig and I don't know, I felt it was fun. Did you? Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. I feel like a very valued guinea pig. Perfect. Um, And I think too, before we hop into some of the stuff that we're going to talk about, it's just fun to laugh a little bit and get to know some small details about you before we Mm -hmm. learn even more about you. So kind of transitioning there for anyone who doesn't know you, who doesn't follow you, can you just give a little insight as to who you are and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. 
So, um, like you said, my name is Kelly, Kelly May, and I am a registered dietitian living and working in Raleigh, North Carolina. Most of my experience is in the behavioral health and eating disorder setting, um, but I recently transitioned to working with people with intellectual and developmental disabilities, um, but all of my work has been from a health at every size perspective and really working at bringing a non-diet approach into every setting that I'm in. Um, and so also I identify as someone in um, eating disorder recovery myself. And so one of the things I'm really passionate about is normalizing clinicians getting help um, and having a conversation around not just doing great patient care, but also doing really great clinician care. Um, and so that's something that I hope to be able to dive into more in the future and advocating for that. And then um, in my free time, I, um, I was like coming up with a list and I was like, I don't know if there's anything interesting that I like to do in my free time, um, but I like to do really creative things. Um, and so I think that's somewhat evident from my Instagram yep. feed that I just enjoy creating in that way. Um, I also have a very recent love of going to Costco with my roommate and just wandering around. <laughs> yes, I love that. So that's my new hobby. Um, and I think, you know, I do a lot of TV watching in the evenings with my roommates and I'm not ashamed at all. So <laughs> I love a good, a good series. My favorite is this show called Life in Pieces, which no one watches and it got canceled. But I think that you can watch it on Hulu. I own all of the seasons because I bought them on Amazon Prime. Um, but it is the funniest show ever. So shameless plug for my favorite sitcom. <laughs> I was going to say, when you when you said that, I was like, okay, I'm fairly well-versed in like Netflix and sitcoms, but I've never heard of that. When you said it was oh. life, life in Pieces? Uh-huh. It is, it is so good. It was honestly a recommendation from my therapist. So, um, and she has a great sense of humor and I trusted her and <laughs> have never regretted it. I tell everyone that it's the best show. <laughs> all right. Well, now you've told Claire and all the listeners of the Yours Truly podcast. And anytime anyone says something's funny and like, I know they also have a good sense of humor. I'm always uh -huh. intrigued because I love a good laugh, of course. Um, yeah. I love to be kind of quirky and weird about things. So I'll have to make a note. I don't have Hulu, but maybe I can steal one of my friend's usernames. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I'll log into Hulu <laughs> that way. But that was like one of the most well-rounded answers I feel like I've ever received. Like you hit all the targets there. You hit personal life, professional life, um, things you like to do for fun. And a couple of things that you said there uh, really resonate with me. And I think it's so important for us dietitians, because I know there are other dietitians who, I always said work on the show. They definitely don't work here. <laughs> Listen, I'm the only one who works here. But listen to the show, and I, I feel like when we're working with individuals, helping them to improve their relationship with food and how they eat, like obviously we have to be taking care of ourselves too, and some of our stuff is going to come up in that. So I really resonate with what you said, just being an advocate for helping the clinician to take care of themselves and support themselves, and I think that's so incredibly important. Um, also kind of backtracking to one more thing that you said, you said, I hate referring to it as a buzzword because it's a trademark uh -huh. term with its own principles, but um, I'm always curious when I come across another non-diet dietitian, um, a health at every size aligned practitioner, what is your 
quick and dirty way of describing health at every size for someone who has maybe never heard of it and they just want to learn and they hear these words, but they don't really know what they mean. Do you have like a go-to way of describing that? Yeah, I think that, um, so I really describe health at every size and the non-diet approach um, pretty similarly. And I like to say that they're about embracing body diversity as normal um, instead of pathologizing it and treating it as a problem. And in doing so, then we can shift the focus away from weight as an indicator of health and onto engagement in health-promoting behaviors, such as, you know, managing stress, moving our bodies in ways that feel good and not like punishments, applying some gentle nutrition, um, one of those intuitive eating principles, getting social support. So um, instead of using weight loss as a mediator to improving health, actually just engaging in health-promoting behaviors. And knowing that those may change weight in one direction or the other, but that that was never the intent, that the intent was to increase engagement in those behaviors, knowing that that would improve health um, versus using weight loss as kind of the go-between, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes total sense. And you took the words right out of my mouth. That's very similarly to how I would describe it because a question that I often receive from other dietitians or even potential clients or just people on social media, since we're so engrossed in a weight loss focused world as the quote unquote answer to health, um, when Mm -hmm. we take that measure of air quotes here, but success or progress away, their main question is, well, what do you focus on if you're not focusing on intentionally manipulating the body? And my answer is very similar to what you just provided where we're focusing on health promoting behaviors like managing stress or focusing on foods we find satisfying and have access to. We're talking about movement, right? We're focusing on all of these behaviors that have the potential to increase one's levels of health, regardless of what they do for one's weight. So um, I love how you kind of uh, simplified it there and told everyone, hey, we're looking at behaviors and how we feel and weight might change and it might not. And that's just a very neutral side of the conversation. So that said... Now that everybody understands a little bit more about you and your nutrition philosophy, something that we hinted at a couple of moments ago, and actually you also touched on in talking about what you like to do for fun, but you mentioned Mm -hmm. that you're a creative individual. And I believe one of the awesome powers that social media gives us is an outlet for creativity and expressing ourselves and however that might show up for someone. And again, as I hinted to earlier, your social media feed, just at an eye's glance, like even if you don't read anything, which I highly recommend that you do because it's all awesome content, (laughs) but it's just very cool and fun looking. Like I see your feed and I immediately just like want to dance around a little bit. Like, I don't know. It's just a very um, fun thing to look at. So I'm curious, how did you get the inspiration to start your, do you have a word for them? It's not a doodle, but what do you call um, your posts? Yeah. Um, graphics. A graphic. Yeah. That, I don't know. (laughs) I I didn't want to call it a doodle because it's not like a a doodle, but it is a very creative expression, but I guess graphic is the right word. So yeah, um, you have like an idea that sparked you wanting to do all of those fun colors or how do you get the inspiration for how you lay things out? Yeah. I think that, um, I really value posts that, um, 
you know, aren't super wordy and are easy, just like grab your attention and have a, a point with a punch. Um, and so I think that that's kind of what I tried to embody in my posts. Um, and I also think that, um, you know, the bright colors and things being presented in kind of a fun way um, reflects my own personal wishes about how I practice as a dietitian. that, you know, so many of us have experiences with um, nutrition kind of being like a hot topic issue and feeling like the ways that we nourish or don't nourish our bodies are kind of punishing and um, not really filled with joy. And I think that it's been fun for me to have kind of a almost like relaxed image on um, social media and be able to not take everything so seriously, you know, for it to be like nutrition is um, necessary to our lives, but it doesn't have to be so um, like burdensome all the time. And that introducing these topics can actually be really freeing versus, um, you know, using nutrition to kind of almost like constrain us. I love that. And you put better words to it than I ever could have, probably because you're the creator and the person behind (laughs) it. But um, yeah, when I look at your feed, it is very joyous and it's very fun. And I see these different colors and these lines and it makes it fun to read about these topics that give a different perspective and a different approach. And I'm hopeful that it's maybe catching the eyes of some people who need that message or Mm -hmm. who need that approach. Something that you reminded me of just then saying that a lot of people take nutrition like very seriously and it's very rigid and very constraining something or some place rather that I see that coming up in my own life is I teach yoga classes for fun I've actually been doing it for longer than I've been a dietitian but um, something that I joke about with people who come to my classes is everybody walks in and we're also serious right mm-hmm. or we're holding these poses and no one's smiling it's almost like everybody comes to the class expecting it to be like the worst thing ever or not fun or not a celebration but I'm like, one of the cues I actually offer is now take the corners of your mouth and turn them upwards. And people are like, wait, what? And they end up smiling. And I'm like, well, that's the point, right? The point is to come here and be joyous and um, celebrate these 60 minutes or, you know, however long you spend there. So I'm glad you were able to kind of take that same sentiment and bring it over into the nutrition space where it is most definitely needed. And something that I recognized very early on from following your content is that it is brief, but there's always that punchline. And that's something that I, I haven't told you this, but I'm honestly trying to learn from you. I don't (laughs) excel about being concise. I'm very uh, a wordy and verbose person in my captions, but I see um, the effect and the positive effect that having those short to the point punchline kind of captions could be. So speaking of kind of captions and Instagram, um, I I went through and I I found a couple of your posts, which Mm -hmm. maybe we'll get to two of them. Maybe we'll just get to one depending on how conversation goes. But um, a couple of them really stood out to me as points of conversation that I think you can maybe expand on and provide 
our listeners here with um, just a greater understanding of what you mean by them and how they can kind of learn about this other approach to nutrition and health that you and I are talking about. So yeah, absolutely. Um, the the first one that really stood out to me, and again, anyone who's listening can go find this post for themselves. Um, but you you wrote there that intuitive eating might not be right for you right now, but you're always still welcome here. So mm-hmm. would you mind giving us um, a little bit of an idea of what that post means and kind of the the intention or the message you're trying to construe behind that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I was actually, um, I wrote that post after I started, um, a new job recently and the commute was really long and it was just a different routine than I was used to. And, um, I think I was nervous too. And so thinking about just straight listening to hunger cues, I was like, wow, this is not going to (laughs) work right now. Um, and then I uh, got to thinking about how, Um, you know, I think that it's necessary for us to normalize that intuitive eating won't work a hundred percent of the time for everyone and that needing more structure than what intuitive eating can provide is, um, sometimes actually the best thing that we can do for ourselves. And so I think that it's probably, um, normal and healthy for more than just me to fluctuate between, um, you know, really doing intuitive eating and also being like, you know what, my hunger cues right now are not going to accurately reflect what my body needs. And so I'm going to give myself a little bit more structure or, um, you know, I, tend to really want to do a lot of movement when I'm um, really nervous and fidgety. And so, but thinking about, you know, just because I feel like this is how my body wants to move right now, doesn't necessarily mean um, that I fueled appropriately for this. And so maybe I need to pull back and think about what actually is in um, my best interest. And so I think that, um, you know, I was thinking about that personally, but then professionally, I know that I've worked with Um, plenty of clients who have, um, you know, really wanted to be in a place where they could do intuitive eating and would get frustrated that, um, you know, for one reason or another, that it just didn't seem like the right thing right then. Um, And I just have so much compassion for that, for needing to be patient with the process um, and to really slow things down and accept the structure when the structure is needed. Um, and I think that, you know, there seems to be a little bit of a gap between higher levels of care and, um, outpatient work where, um, you know, I, it's so hard to live in the real world outside of a treatment center and, um, still need to follow a more structured meal plan and not be able to transition immediately to intuitive eating as soon as you discharge. Um, But for most clients with eating disorders, that actually is the reality that as soon as they discharge from treatment, they're not ready to fully embrace intuitive eating. Um, And so I think that in um, writing that post, I was just trying to normalize the fact that, you know, it's not a hundred percent right for everyone at all times. I think it's the goal for us to get to. Um, and for some people it's not right right now. And the best thing that they can do in order to get there is actually 
practice trusting the structure as they're learning to be more intuitive with their bodies. Mm -hmm. I love that. And um, I couldn't agree more. And I think something that diet culture really teaches us is if we set our minds to something, then it is the right thing for us. And we have to do anything that we can to air quote, complete it or comply Mm -hmm. with its standards. Right. So, um, something that I see happening a lot with my clients who come from a chronic dieting background is we almost take that very rigid approach of this has to work for me right now. And we apply it to intuitive eating, which like you said, it might not be the right place in the right time for all people. And also if we're gripping at this intuitive eating approach with, um, you know, really tight hands and we're holding on to the rope, it kind of defeats the purpose, right? If we're mm-hmm. um, stressing out about it, if it's adding a lot more worry and anxiety to our lives, then yeah, maybe it's not the right place right now. And I think something that's super important that you bring up is um, there can be a little bit of a gap there, right? And maybe even if intuitive eating is the end point and it is the goal, there oftentimes does need to be that support in between of trusting that structure. Because if we've been under fueling or over-exercising or over-moving our body, then yeah, our hunger cues might not be showing up in full force. And it's not that we can never trust our bodies and it's not that our bodies aren't meant to be trusted, but it is meant to say that we have to give our body enough and sometimes structure is needed to get to that point. Um, So I love that um, perspective and that approach that you gave. And I think it's super important because um, social media right, is everywhere. And we're talking Mm -hmm. about how positive it can be. Um, But I've also seen some posts out there that it's like intuitive eating right now or else, Mm -hmm. right? And it can make us feel really unworthy or really um, like we're not doing a good job if we're not there yet. Um, So I think the thing that stands out to me from your answer is just having compassion for wherever you are and knowing that, yeah, it can be the goal and you can get there, but it's okay if that time isn't for you right now. But as you mentioned in your post, um, people are always still welcome, right? You're welcome Mm -hmm. to read, you're welcome to learn and participate in that conversation. But I'm really um, having that individualized approach and that individualized mindset as far as what's going to be best for me right now. Um, So the other one that I kind of wanted to touch on here um, that Nope. You nope, paused for a second. You're back. I was like, oh no, yes. yeah, touch yeah. on the, the wrong button, but my, my internet's back. But the other yes. one is something that I also see a lot happening on social media. And you had a very punctual to the point type of post oh, yes. that um, I loved and that sparked a, a conversation, right? I like yes, to, to say the least. <laughs> I don't like to use the word debate, right? Because people always say, oh, due to beating dietitians, they're so defensive, right? Like, why are they like that? And it's like, well, it's okay to have differing opinions. It's okay to have yeah approach. Um, but you, you wrote on one of your posts that a quote, non-diet approach to weight loss is not a thing. And this is something that I see all of the time on social Mm -hmm. media, right? It's like, um, I will help you lose weight or I will help you manipulate your body size or do X, Y, and Z, and you'll never have to diet again. Right. So Mm -hmm. I'm kind of curious with that post of yours, even when I mentioned it, your eyes kind of like lit up. You were like, yeah, that one. So (laughs) For, for maybe anyone who hears that, hears that a non-diet approach to weight loss isn't a thing, and their immediate question is, 
why, or that doesn't make sense to me, kind of give your answer there if you would, and tell us the the background on that post. Yeah. Um, so I think this post actually came from, uh, you know, as I was connecting with people and starting to follow people on Instagram, I would see in someone's bio that they said that they were a non-diet clinician. And then as I would read through a few posts, I would be like, hold up. (laughs) Um, I don't think you understand the non-diet approach. Um, And so I started doing um, a lot of my own education and, um, you know, reading some. So I ordered um, the non-diet approach something guidebook at Fiona Willers. Yeah. Uh Yes. Um, and I just totally butchered the name of it. Um, but her non-diet guidebook and, um, I was like, yeah, okay. I think that now I have a, you know, I think that I was right in this vein of thinking what a non-diet dietitian is. I think that this group is, um, a little bit misled. And so I also, as I was learning, started to feel really sad for our clients who are looking for a non-diet clinician and end up stumbling into someone who is practicing from a quote-unquote non-diet perspective, but actually still pushing weight management. Um, and I was thinking about all the all of the patients I've had in um, my work with eating disorders who have really so badly wanted for um, weight loss to be a quote unquote healthy goal for them at some point after recovery. Um, and so I think that as I was watching their wheels turn on, um, you know, size diversity being normal and, um, you know, kind of giving up that hope, I think that it started to make me angry that, people are out there um, saying, no, 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 you really can, you know, quote unquote, have it all. Um, And almost like co-opting our language for their Mm -hmm. own, um, you know, purpose. And so uh, when I posted that, it almost automatically became a little bit of a hot topic. (laughs) Um, And I think I wasn't quite prepared for that, but it was so interesting to um, hear people's response to it um, and almost accusing me of being um, like an irresponsible provider for not encouraging people to lose weight um, and, you know, just really making assumptions about weight and its connection to health. Um, And so I actually... um, you know, some of the things I was like, this is just not going to be helpful and remove mm-hmm. some things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that the big thing that I walked away with after posting that um, was that when people are really tied to the weight management perspective and the weight normative paradigm, um, really asking them how they know that what they believe is true Um is actually really thought provoking for them and can really spark defenses. Um, but everyone who was really critical, um, was posting things like, we know that, um, being at a higher weight is dangerous. Um, and I put, we know in quotation marks, um, Mm -hmm. but it was one of those things where I was like, 
do we know that? Like, do, like, how do you know that? Um, because I am like a little bit of a research nerd and, you know, pour through stuff on, um, weight science and weight stigma and not even just searching, um, for health at every size things, but really looking for, um, you know, what is just the weight science out there and its correlation to health, um, And so it was one of those things where I was like, I think that we really need to challenge our assumption that, um, you know, just because something is generally accepted by our field doesn't mean that it's true. And so I think that I accidentally, um, or maybe intentionally poked a hot topic for a lot of dietitians on something that they've assumed is true for a long time. And a lot of these dietitians who were not so happy with me are, you know, more experienced than me and have a lot more years in the field. And it was intimidating. Um, but I felt really secure in, um, knowing that I try not to make claims that aren't based in research that I'm pretty cautious about what I post and, um, I mull things over a lot. And I think that's where the brevity of my post comes from sometimes is that I just mull things over and like take things out. Um, and so I really try to get things to be bite-sized pieces that um, someone can take in. Um, and sometimes I think that it ends up that they're very direct like that post was and they spark a little bit of um, a conversation and some pushback. But I think it is important for us to, as non-diet dietitians and clinicians, to um, help almost like put some separation between us and clinicians who are claiming to be non-diet, but are actually practicing weight management um, and help clients find people who are aligned with a non-diet approach. I don't think that it's in our best interest or our client's best interest to know that there is um, a group of people out there who are claiming to be non-diet, but are actually perpetuating harm by, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, encouraging weight loss and saying that it's a quote unquote lifestyle change or really engaging um, in, I love what Christy Harrison calls the wellness diet. Right, Um, right. So I think that being able to say, hey, what you're saying is the same approach as us is not actually the same thing Um, and kind of like separating out a little bit. Um, because there's such a difference between a true non-diet approach and a quote-unquote non-diet approach that actually is just lifestyle change in the service of intentional weight loss. And it's like once that intentional weight loss piece is there, um, I consider it to automatically then not be a non-diet approach. It's like a non-non-diet approach Right. (laughs) once you get that intentional weight loss piece in there. Um, and so I think that that's what really differentiates us as non-diet dietitians. Um, and unfortunately, I think that that is the piece that the non-non-diet dietitians think is not actually critical. Um, yeah. We're like, no, that's our di- differentiating factor. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that that was a really long-winded way of saying that. I just felt this tension between the two groups. Um, and also, I had a lot of feelings about how misleading um, 
the non non diet dietitian approach kind of um, can mislead clients towards and yeah so. yeah that was a glorious response. I loved every golden <laughs> nugget that you gave there because I think it is really important for people to realize that there is a true non-diet approach where we're focusing on behaviors and we're not talking about the in- intention to lose weight, right? Weight will do what weight will do when we're taking care of the body. And right. there's also this subset of social media that I see it as well. I'm so glad you, you poked the beast, the metaphorical beast. Um, oh, yes. and, and it did spark a little <laughs> bit of debate uh, because when we're challenging paradigms that we've lived under for years and years and paradigms that we were raised in as dietitians, um, it is going to spark some debate because people do feel very strongly about the status quo. But I think it's also so important for clients and, and just people out there to realize that there is a lot of harm in um, preaching this diet culture BS, but it's like wrapped in this like gentler name, right? Or this right. like shiny glittery paper or something. Fiona Sutherland has an awesome quote and it's escaping my mind right now, but she's talking about those non-diet dietitian approaches or non-non-diet approaches rather. There's too many nons, right? Um, But she's talking about (laughs) these approaches who are claiming to be non-diet, but the core of what they're actually doing is very misleading because it is weight centric, right? So it's like those Mm -hmm. same lies that we've been taught, but it's just wrapped in this cuter, um, gentler name. But one word in there that you said that really stood out to me is the word harm. And I think sometimes what we fail to see sometimes in the social media space is what we put out there does have the intention to cause harm. And I don't know if you, were you at Fancy this year? I was not. Okay. No. Well, for anyone who, if, who is listening, who's like, what the heck is um, Fancy? Um, something's going off on my watch. The but it's Super like, Bowl. <laughs> it's like, literally, that's how I describe it. It's the Super Bowl for dietitians. But um, the original intuitive eating dietitians, Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch, gave uh, the first talk together that I believe they've ever given at a conference or definitely at Fancy before. And one of the things that Evelyn said that really stood out to me is in all of this research that focuses on weight loss as a metric or a measure of air quote success, they can measure the the weight fluctuations of the participants. But what isn't measured most often is any harm that's done, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Many questions after those studies aren't focused on, well, how do you feel about food now? Or how do you feel in your body? Or they don't track them for long amounts of time afterward, right? That two to five year mark. So her quote that just stuck with me and I've thought about it at least once daily ever since is an absence of data does not mean an absence of harm. Right. So right. Um, I think something that's so important to realize for anyone who's out there on social media, just be wary and, and do the research and look into what someone is actually promoting and saying. Because if you are seeking out an approach that is free from numbers or isn't weight loss focused and is really focused on mending and strengthening that relationship to food movement self, um, you really want to be with the right person to do that. Right. Do you have anything to, to yeah. add to that? Yeah, I think that, you know, as you were talking, what I was thinking of is um, how much fear comes with us professionally when we kind of change directions. And I um, am thinking about how so many of us initially kind of waded into the non-diet world by kind of thinking that we could have our, you know, one foot in both worlds Mm -hmm, and being, mm -hmm. you know, doing weight management and having a non-diet approach. Um, 
and how, you know, really taking a look at what we were practicing and asking ourselves if it was doing harm, asking ourselves if it was effective, um, asking ourselves if this is really, um, you know, professionally how we want to practice and then deciding, you know what, this isn't it. And I am going to start going this, this other direction, um, has, is really brave and takes a lot of guts for us to, you know, be like, foundationally, I'm going to pivot, um, into something that I can actually get behind. And so I think that sometimes it feels like it takes so much that we kind of stay in that area where we've got one foot, um, on each side and are just avoiding thinking about the harm that it could be doing. And so, um, as you were talking, I was just thinking about how refreshing it is when we encounter dietitians um, who have adopted the non-diet approach and um, have come from a different background, though, and have, you know, been exposed to a lot of weight-centric and diet-centric ideas, and then all of a sudden um, are, you know... um, um, the word is enlightened that I'm thinking of. That's a little bit dramatic, but um, I'm thinking, you know, my new coworker um, was practicing from a pretty weight centric um, approach before we started working together. And then as we were just getting to know each other's nutrition philosophies, um, the more that we started talking about health at every size, she was just like, Oh my gosh, like what have I been doing? And um has really just started to change her approach. And now we um, commiserate about the weight normative approach together and um, are really fighting on um, bringing health at every size to our work environment. Um, And it's been so refreshing. And so I think that there's a lot of fear um, about making that shift for a lot of people. But I think that the point that you bring up about um, the harm that could be done. I think we probably actually need to fear the harm yeah. that we're doing by straddling the fence more. Oh, uh, that was a golden saying right there. <laughs> fear the harm more than you fear the the shift in in direction, or you fear yeah. the flack that you might receive. Because I agree, when you raise your hand and you're one of the minority um, of dietitians who would say, actually. No, like I don't. Yeah. Right. It can be kind of scary to challenge that paradigm that we are all taught and that we're raised in. So I couldn't agree more also that it's refreshing to connect with someone who says, yeah, you know, I'm ready to challenge it too. And I also see the potential harm. So it has been wonderful being able to have that here. I'm glad you have that with your coworker as well. And I Mm -hmm. applaud you for the work that you're doing there to bring this approach into your daily life and in your daily setting. But it's also Mm -hmm. been wonderful to have you here on the podcast because as I try to grow this platform and get this message out there, it is so imperative for me to have conversations with individuals like yourself who can add things to the conversation and bring up points that I've never even thought of, right? Or that I have never said here on the podcast because one thing that I love doing is bringing different ideas to the audience so they can start to get curious for themselves and question some of these lies that we we may have been fed over years of the diet culture water that we swim in. So yeah. 
It has been wonderful to um, connect. And before we tell people where they can find you and your awesome graphics slash doodles, mm -hmm. whatever we're calling them, <laughs> um, I have one final question that goes along with just the theme of the podcast. So um, something that I think we both stand for, I don't want to speak for you, but maybe I can make an assumption, something that we both stand for as uh, non-diet dietitians is just being gentle with ourselves, right? Offering ourselves mm -hmm. self-compassion and some space on a daily basis to do whatever it might be that we might need to take care of ourselves on that day. So my question for you, which I'm realizing now I didn't preface for you, but it will be <laughs> fairly easy for you to answer, I hope. Um, what do you feel like you do on the daily? What is maybe a practice that you have or an intention that you have to live a little bit more gently and kindly with yourself? Mm -hmm. I would say... What comes to mind right away is um, owning a weighted blanket and that I just find it to be so calming and um, I have no shame about crawling into bed a little bit early so that I can lay under my weighted blanket and calm down. Um, and I think that I just need a little bit of deep pressure to feel more at ease. And I'm like, you know what? This is totally okay. I um, am a hundred percent allowed to find a way that um, calms my body down and communicates that I'm <laughs> I love that. I might have to put that on my, my Christmas list, list of things to try. I've heard about them before and I've actually, I believe it was on one of your stories, your highlight reels oh, have, yes. <laughs> talking about self-care or self-soothing that you have that listed. Um, but can you, is that like an Amazon thing? I'm sure you can kind yeah. of get them anywhere that sells blankets. <laughs> yeah. So the one that I have, um, the brand is called Dozology. Um, and I bought it on Amazon and it's, I think just like fairly normal price as far as weighted blankets go, but it has been such a game changer because it stays pretty cool. It's mm -hmm. got like a bamboo sort of rewashable cover. Um, and so weighted blankets can get pretty hot, but this one stays really cool and the weight distributes um, fairly equally. And I'm obsessed with it. I tell everyone that, you know, you don't need to buy one of the fuzzy ones. You can have another fuzzy blanket, but you can't unfuzz it later. <laughs> and so um, this brand of blankets has just been very nice. I, this is not a paid endorsement, <laughs> but I am obsessed. <laughs> I was about to say, if in the future of your career, you ever need a sponsorship or you want one, it's yeah. have your brand to reach out to because that was 100% authentic off the cuff. <laughs> she did not know I was going to ask that question. No, we'll that out there. no. <laughs> um, so weighted blankets, we will put it on our list. But the, the final question I have for you, kind of just a logistical one here, if anyone is hearing your message, hearing you speak, hearing us talk about your graphics to no end, and they want to check it out or learn more about you, where's the best place to find you and how can people do so? Yeah. So, um, best place to find me is definitely on Instagram. Um, my handle is at Kelly, K-E-L-L-Y-R-D underscore. Um, so pretty easy, not a lot of letters to remember. Um, and that's probably where I'm the most active on social media. Um, on my Instagram profile, there's also a link to my email. And so people can send me an email um, if they want to get in touch or send me a message. I'm pretty responsive. Um, but I would love to get in contact with your listeners and um, just 
connect with more people who are interested in this non-diet approach. Um, so I'm really glad that you invited me to be on the show. Uh, this is such a great opportunity for me to um, get to talk to you and also connect with other people. So I love it. That's yeah. why podcasting is so great, right? It gives us a, a very awesome excuse to just have a conversation oh, yeah. with a like-minded <laughs> individual. And also we get to record it and put it out there for the benefit of other people. And hopefully they can connect with you and, and me and anything that they might have resonated with here on our episode. So you heard it here first. She is concise. She is to the point from her captions all the way <laughs> to her um, handle on Instagram. Very yes. simple <laughs> the point, but I would highly recommend anyone who is listening to give her a follow, bring some joyful uh, graphics to your Instagram feed and get that joyful, um, very fun, normative message around food. So Kelly, it has been awesome to connect with you and have you here and we will talk soon. See you podcast. Me again, one last time to say thank you so much for being here, for spending nearly an hour of your time today, wherever you are, listening to the Your Shuli podcast, and I hope you got so much value as much as I did from our conversation with Kelly today. Kelly, if you are listening, thank you so much for volunteering your time and expertise to come on the show, to share it with anyone who might be listening. And it has been a pleasure getting to know you over the past couple of months. Now, dear listeners, whoever might still be hanging on here, listening with me till the very end, it would mean the world to me if you could take a moment, whatever time you have, if you feel so inclined to leave us a rating and a review, preferably tap those five stars. And if you have an additional moment and you feel moved by the spirit to tell everyone how much you love the podcast, please leave a review because the more fire we get under the podcast, the more support we get from amazing individuals like yourself, the more this message can continue to grow over time to reach other people who need to hear its message. So thank you so much again for being here with me today, and we will be back next week with another episode. See ya!